Welcome to the Senedd Podcast. These are the First Minister's Questions. Thank you for listening. I call members to order and the first item on our agenda this afternoon is questions to the First Minister and the first question is from Angela Burns. Uh, good afternoon, First Minister. Will you provide an update on the Welsh Government's priorities for improving the health service over the coming year? I shall thank the member for that question. Amongst our priorities for the coming year are the investment of record sums across our health and social care system, the training of record numbers of clinical professionals to create the workforce of the future, and defending Wales against any attempts by the UK Government to put the NHS up for sale. Well, First Minister, as you know, recent weeks have brought to the fore the current pressures that are facing the Welsh NHS, winter pressures as we like to term them, although the reality is they are there most of the year. Now, in the words of Dr Phil Bamfield, the BMA uh, Wales, Cymru Wales Consultant Committee Chair, he said, it is clear from the latest developments that things are getting worse, not better. He also went on to state, care will suffer if something isn't done about this now. This must be taken seriously. There's a real chance of lives being needlessly lost. First Minister, the BMA also go on to suggest, as many of us have in this chamber suggested, the various things that need to be done to alleviate uh, winter pressures, the kind of areas that we need to look at from increasing beds in hospitals to increasing uh, people's ability to come out of hospital and be supported in the community to ensuring that only the people who need to go into hospital go into hospital. So we're four years in, and this was a priority of the Welsh Government. Can you please tell us, in the remaining year that we have, whether or not you'll finally be able to address this very serious issue? And it is serious, because I want to end on this one note. Dr Banfield, who represents a great many people in the health NHS, goes on to say that the staff pressures are intolerable and that patients' lives are at risk. This is not an acceptable situation. Well, so let me uh, agree with something the member said at the start of her question, because nine of the last 11 months in the Welsh NHS have been the busiest month of that sort on record. Uh, so she is right to say that the pressures in the Welsh NHS are relentless, uh, that the demand grows all the time. Uh, but she then goes on simply to focus on the supply side, as though the answer to the health service is just continuously to ratchet up the services uh, that are provided in pursuit of ever-growing uh, demand. And that, that is not an answer uh, to the health uh, service. We do all of that. We go on every year. We have a record number of professionals working in the health service in Wales. We now have more people working in the NHS in Wales than in the whole of the British Army. Uh, more than 92,000 people are employed to provide the services that Angela Burns uh, refers to. Uh, as a result of winter pressure planning, there will be 400 more beds or bed equivalent services available in this winter than there otherwise would have been. The member referred to the services that are there to keep people out of hospital. Uh, my understanding from management information is that we will have seen a fall in delayed transfers of care in December uh, of last year because of the enormous efforts that are made by our local authorities to provide those services. But when you have a rising tide of people coming through the door, when those people are often elderly, where their needs are often complex, where they do need to be in hospital. I agree completely with what Angela Byrne said, that only somebody who needs to be in hospital should be in hospital. But the number of over 75-year-olds presenting at the front door of the Welsh NHS who then need and genuinely need a hospital bed has been at the highest it has ever been over this uh, winter. So wherever we can, we need services that divert people from the highest level of intensity in the hospital sector, de-escalating need, using community pharmacies before you go to the doctor, all of those things, they are all happening in the Welsh NHS, but they happen against a pattern of demand that means you have to run even faster simply to stand still. 
Thank you, Chloe. The fundamental challenge is to move towards a system which is truly preventative. We don't see that in terms of policy at the moment, and we don't see it in terms of how budgets are divvied up. So will the First Minister realise that we need real prioritisation now? We need to find ways of moving towards a new kind of NHS, of being able to invest in the preventative, including preventative infrastructure, sports resources, physical exercise resources, and, ex and resources for keep fit, or the NHS will be a bottomless pit. We need that transformation that we're not currently seeing. Well, of course, I agree, Llywydd. And what we could do is prevent illnesses. ...to the health service. That, of course, is a proper investment in the future. It's not an answer uh, to the person age over 75 uh, who needs services in the here and now. Uh, the parliamentary uh, review, which parties across this chamber participated, provides a bridge of that sort. It describes how you can incrementally, because that is the only way you can do it, shift the system so there is greater emphasis on prevention and uh, therefore a reduced need for people to seek help in the most intense part of the system. That doesn't help people whose needs for that sort of help are in the present day, and you can't not attend to those needs. And prevention is not the responsibility of the National Health Service. Prevention is something that you can only bring about where you have all public services invested in doing that, and where you have a relationship with the user in which they too play their part. We talk often on the floor of the Assembly about co-production and the need to capture the contribution that users uh, make. And nowhere is that contribution more important to capture than if we are genuinely to have preventative services, because most of all, that relies on what individuals can do to make sure that the harm that would otherwise happen in their own lives is avoided. Mandy Jones. Minister. I see that a worldwide study has revealed that sepsis is now a bigger killer than cancer and instances of it are increasing in, in England and Wales. What assessment has the Welsh Government made of this and how is your Government going to ensure that the Welsh NHS is prepared for this over the coming year? Uh, well, thank the Member for that important supplementary question. I should just make it clear that sepsis numbers in Wales are falling and not rising. So the figures that were published are not Welsh figures. They have fallen in Wales since 2016. Uh, and that is because of some really groundbreaking work that has been done by clinicians here uh, in Wales, led by some very uh, far-sighted and committed clinicians uh, who have developed the early warning sign system that we have for sepsis here in Wales that is now being adopted in other parts uh, of the health service more uh, broadly. Uh, which make sure that people are alert to those early signs that can easily enough be confused as a sign of something other than sepsis, to do the six steps uh, that you need to take as a clinician to test for whether sepsis uh, is what you're seeing in front of you, then to take rapid action. It's a really important uh, issue, uh, but I think we can genuinely claim that we have been in front of this debate in Wales, and that's why the figures in Wales have been falling. First Minister, I've raised um, with, uh, with yourself the, the situation in Cuntav many times in respect of uh, uh, ambulance handovers. And it's fair to say that in recent years they have developed uh, an excellent model where uh, they receive the patients from the ambulance to free up the ambulances. But of course it also requires that there is the investment at the other end in terms of uh, those who are in beds are able to leave, that they have the right social service support and so on. Now, it is clear that this year that that, that has been working, but there are considerable pressures. So I've had a number of examples reported to me. I think there are two issues really uh, I'd like to consider. To what extent has that model that was developed in Cumtav been rolled out amongst other uh, health boards? But secondly, what evaluation is taking place of the pressures that clearly exist at the uh, coordination with the social service side so the beds people are able to leave hospital when they're ready to do so obviously freeing up space and also then freeing up the ambulance service and I suppose finally on that is really the recognition
recognition, I think, of the professional and dedication of our, our ambulance services because at this time of year, uh, their, their responses and their commitment is, is second to none. Uh, well, so I was very uh, glad to put on record the appreciation of the Welsh Government for all those who work at the front line of our health services under the unremitting pressures that have been there, not just over the winter, but as Angela Burns uh, said, over many months uh, before that. There is lots that other people can learn from the Kumtav experience of handover people from ambulances into hospitals, and that's why we have a national approach to the development of ambulance uh, services. Uh, Mick Antonio is right, of course, to point to the pressures that are there in our social services as well as the health service. I mentioned in my answer to Angela Burns that there are 400 bed or bed, bed equivalent services being produced over this winter in addition to the normal uh, services. About 160 of those are actually in social care. Uh, providing places where people can be safely looked after in the community, either rapidly discharged from hospital or preventing admission uh, in the first place. But as I've also said previously on the floor of the Assembly, what local authorities are facing is in some ways a consequence of the success that they have achieved in reducing the need for residential care here in Wales. I remember reading predictions at the start of devolution that told us that there will be thousands more elderly people in residential care in Wales by today and that we needed to start preparing for that. In fact, what local authorities have done is to strengthen community services so that that explosion in the need for residential care hasn't happened. But when you are looking after more people, more fragile people, people with higher levels of need and greater intensity of service in the community, then the challenge of keeping those people well, keeping them active, returning them to their homes when they have an acute episode of care. It's a genuine challenge. Of course, we track it. Of course, we talk through the regional partnership boards uh, with our colleagues, and we will learn the lessons from this winter as we begin planning, as we soon will, uh, for winter of next year. Question die, Beth Question two, Beth how the Welsh Government is tackling domestic abuse in Wales. I thank the member for that. We tackle domestic abuse through a range of initiatives informed by survivors. These include raising awareness and challenging attitudes through communication campaigns, training professionals, providing healthy relationships education, setting standards for working with perpetrators, and providing both revenue and capital funding to service providers. Uh, thank you for that answer. I know the Welsh Government has uh, put in uh, many different practices in relation to coercive control, which I uh, welcome. And you will know from the debate last week uh, that we had on uh, rape, the Plaid Cymru uh, uh, debate, I hosted an event with uh, David and Sally Challen um, in the Senedd building and what struck me was that many um, of the victims will just not know that some of the um, many forms of abuse that relate to coercive control is something that they don't identify in those relationships and so trying to get to grips with that is something that when we had uh, the police commissioners present uh, they were saying that um, domestic abuse is an epidemic now and that coercive control related instances has risen exponentially uh, within that particular police force. So my question is, um, from that evening we heard that the Freedom Programme is very successful. Will you be able to put that into schools? Um, we know that it looks at belief systems of abusers and how they can change their attitudes. And my second question is, um, we had a room full of people there, but we only had five or six men. You know, whether they're being abused or whether they are abusers, if they're not in the room, they're not listening and they're not engaging in, in those processes. So how do we make this a societal issue? And the third one is about how you can uh, make sure that uh, when the current coercive control programme that you have, you've got as a Welsh Government comes to end, an end, what are you going to do post that so that we can make sure uh, that we have uh, people in these types of relationships in future who are able to be supported and helped uh, when they need to escape those relationships, but in a way that they can do with the support of society behind them? Well, uh, Beth and Said, both for those questions and for the event uh, that she hosted, which I know has attracted a lot of uh, interest beyond the Assembly in learning from uh, what was said and the question and answer session with David and Sally uh, Challen. And it was said there, uh, I know, that for so many victims of coercive control, 
the first step is to recognise that this is happening uh, to them and to understand that this is just not a normal way uh, that relationships uh, are conducted. Uh, so to take the specific questions in uh, reverse order, the This Is Not Love, This Is Control communication uh, campaign, which ran through uh, last year, will have a successor. We will go on from there. It has certainly, we think, through evidence from police forces, seen a rise in reported cases of coercive control, suggesting that the awareness campaign is having uh, an effect. But as the, the event here showed, raising awareness has to be the first uh, step. Uh, I thought a very important point was made about how we broaden the conversation uh, so that men as well as women are fully engaged in it, understand what is being uh, debated and can be themselves, as uh, Bethan said, victims of coercive control, but also need to understand the part that they play in sustaining it in some relationships or challenging it uh, when it is seen. As far as schools uh, are concerned, then of course the new curriculum has a rounded approach to the way in which health, well-being, personal relationships are taught uh, in our schools in an age-appropriate uh, way so that by the time young people are themselves involved uh, in relationships, they are informed, they understand and hopefully are better equipped to be the sort of citizens we would like to see them be here in Wales. Marcus Sherwood. Thank you. Well, I, I did um, attend the question and answer session with uh, uh, Sally and David uh, Challen. Um, and of course, coercive control also applies to children uh, in terms of adults. Uh, worryingly, analysis by the Children's Society has shown that around 85% of sexual offences against children reported to the police in England and Wales do not result in any action taken against the perpetrator. And the figures they include are that 70% of sexual offences against children under 13 are familial sexual offences, in other words, domestic or occurring within their family or, or, or home. Um, how, therefore, do you respond to the call on the Welsh Government by the Children's Society to review the case for making the offer of debriefs following a, re a child's return from a missing incident, a statutory requirement, where there are frequently links between children going missing from home and their experience of sexual abuse or exploitation, where they say this will result in improved intelligence gathering to help inform abuse and exploitation cases, and young people being referred into services for support, and in information sharing about at-risk children between the police uh, and social care noting that um, uh, debrief is offered uh, in England. Uh, Simon, I think there are a number of different strands in that question. The member began quite rightly by pointing out that uh, children who uh, are sexually exploited are more likely to have that occur to them within the home and with people they know than uh, with strangers. Children who run away from residential uh, care provided by the state are in a different position. They are vulnerable in a different sort of way into a far wider uh, range of uh, potential perpetrators. Um, I am not aware of the very specific point uh, in the Children Society's uh, advice. Uh, my understanding, the cases that I myself have dealt with, is that when a young person runs away and are returned, they are almost always uh, spoken to uh, and their experiences explored uh, with them. Uh, whether that is a debrief interview uh, in the sense of the Children's Society's uh, report, I'd need to look at uh, more uh, in, in, in greater detail and whether there is a case for making that statutory when, as it would seem to me, it would simply be good practice on the part of any uh, childcare uh, social worker to have explored with a young person on return what has happened to them in the interim. Um, I'm happy to look at that as well. Questions now from the party leaders. Leader of the Opposition, Paul Davis. Uh, uh, First Minister, the Welsh Government's latest figures show that over 12,000 cattle were slaughtered due to bovine TB. This is an eye-watering 24% increase on the previous year. These figures are the highest on record. Where is your Government's policy going wrong? 
Well, uh, the government policy is certainly not going wrong on the basis that the member has just uh, outlined. Uh, let me begin, though, by recognising the enormous impact that TB has in the farming community, uh, the trauma and the hurt that occurs in farming families when TB occurs uh, in cattle. But the slaughter figures are the result of greater sensitivity in testing, greater uh, testing regimes. We are discovering more TB, uh, and therefore the slaughter figures uh, are up. It is not that this is TB that wasn't there before. It was there before, and it went undetected. And because it was undetected, it continued to pose a risk of further onward transmission. So the fact that we are discovering more TB, which I understand all the distress that that brings, but the fact that slaughter figures are up is not for a moment by itself a sign that the policy is failing. Well, First Minister, you've just said it yourself. You are finding more incidents of TB. And let's be clear, your policy is not working. Otherwise, the number of cattle slaughtered due to bovine TB would be decreasing. But instead, no. we're seeing an increase. And whichever way you want to look at this, the fact remains that the Welsh farming sector is under a huge amount of pressure. This morning's farmhouse breakfast hosted by the FUW gave us the opportunity to hear more about the challenges facing Welsh farmers, and bovine TB was certainly at the top of their agenda. First Minister, you're right. I myself have had first-hand experience of seeing just how difficult and devastating bovine TB can be for those farmers affected by the disease. And they expect and deserve more from the Welsh government. The unsustainably high number of cattle being slaughtered in Wales is down to your government's failure to, to tackle this disease holistically. And in the meantime, farming communities across Wales are feeling isolated, ignored and neglected. So with that in mind, First Minister, and in light of the very serious impact that bovine TB is continuing to have on Welsh farms, both financially and emotionally, can you tell us what new action the Welsh Government will now take to push ahead with the eradication of bovine TB in Wales? And can you also tell us what reassurances you can offer Welsh farmers that your Government is listening and that you will protect the sustainability of the farming industry for the future? Well, in terms of the Welsh Government listening, uh, Llawydd, I myself addressed the uh, NFU Council uh, yesterday afternoon, uh, as I did to the FUW's annual conference last year in Aberystwyth, as I met with the FUW, with uh, Leslie Griffiths, to talk to them specifically about uh, TB. I want to recognise the sense of strain that there is in farming communities here. Uh, in Wales as we leave the European Union with all the uncertainty that that brings for farming uh, communities. Uh, and that is very real, as they told me yesterday uh, when I met with them, alarmed by what the Chancellor of the Exchequer had to say at the weekend about not pursuing regulatory uh, alignment, for example. Uh, as far as uh, long-term indicators of TB in Wales are concerned, there's been a 37% decrease in new incidents over the last decade, a 4% decrease in animal slaughters over the whole of that period, 393 fewer herds under restrictions at the end of 2018 than at the end of 2009. We do need to do more. I acknowledge that. It's why I met with Professor Glyn Huinson uh, with Leslie Griffiths not last week, but the week before, the world's leading expert in bovine TB, who we have brought here to Wales. We have established with a new institute in Aberystwyth under the SER programme, drawing in other uh, major figures uh, from this world. He said to us that he thought they were new things that we would be able to attempt in Wales as a result of the research that he is carrying out, and that what we will need is a differentiated package uh, to deal with TB. TB is different in different parts of Wales. The underlying causes are different in different parts of Wales. And as a result of his work and the work that we are doing with others, for example, in the Gower, where we have a very particular project hand-in-hand -hand with farmers, we will find new ways of tackling a disease which has such a devastating impact on farming families. 
First Minister, that farmers and farming unions don't think that your current policy on bovine TB is working. And that's why it is crucial now that your government reconsiders this policy in order to tackle this disease in a much more holistic way. Now, another pressing issue raised with me this morning, where the Welsh Government also has responsibility, is in relation to nitrate vulnerable yes. zones. Yes. There are some very serious concerns regarding these proposals, which could impose huge burdens on farmers and, as a result, force many out of business. And so farmers are rightly seeing these proposals as another blow to the agricultural community. At the very least, a regulatory impact assessment must be published, given the enormous impact your government's proposals will have on every farm in Wales. First Minister, NFU Cymru are absolutely right to say that the Welsh Government is testing the Welsh farming industry beyond its limits. Will you therefore confirm exactly what the Welsh Government's plans are for nitrate vulnerable zones in Wales, given that you promised to introduce these at the beginning of this year? Will you now publish a detailed regulatory impact assessment of these proposals? And will you now make it crystal clear exactly what support will be made available to those farmers who will be financially disadvantaged by your government's proposals? Yeah, yeah. Well, so we were committed to bringing forward regulations at the start of January, and the reason that we have delayed that for a number of weeks is exactly in order to be able to carry on the conversation with farmers who have come through the consultation process with some new ideas as to how the purpose of the regulations can be delivered in practice. But let me be completely clear. The Welsh Government will not step back from tackling pollution in agriculture here in Wales. Pollution incidents are too high. They have been growing. They do damage. They do damage to water courses here in Wales. They do damage to the environment. And they do damage to the reputation of the farming industry just at the point where the reputation of food production here in Wales needs to be at its very best. That is why, following years of a voluntary scheme agreed with the NFU that is not then honoured on the ground, we will move to regulate. But we will do it alongside our farming communities in discussion with them. That's why we have held back in bringing the regulations forward, because there may be ways in which we can achieve the aims, which we will not stand back from, in a way that farmers would find more practical in the way that it is uh, applied. And then we will provide financial support to assist them, not to reach the standards which are already there in regulations and which every farm in Wales ought already to be meeting, but to meet any additional uh, regulatory burden that will come through uh, the pollution control. Five million pounds in next year's uh, budget to help tackle pollution to water quality. We will work with the farming community. This is the right thing to do. We want to do it alongside them, but that does not mean for a moment that we will stand back from the challenge which agricultural pollution uh, po poses to us here in Wales. Um, despite repeated public safety concerns, the then Justice Secretary at Westminster, Chris Grayling, uh, pressed ahead with a part privatisation of the probation service in 2014. A year later, Connor Marshall from Barry was murdered by David Braddon who was under the supervision of a privately run community rehabilitation company. This has turned out to be one of the, uh, the most catastrophic policy decisions by a Westminster government. Connor's mother, Nadine, who is in the Senate today, has led a tireless campaign to get justice for Connor. Uh, First Minister, how can we best honour his memory and her work? Well, thank the member for that uh, question and to begin by agreeing with him that the destruction of the probation service, uh, often referred to previously as the jewel in the crown of uh, the England and Wales criminal justice uh, system, is a stain on the record uh, of the previous Conservative uh, government and a stain that had such devastating practical consequences in the case to which Adam Price 
uh, has referred. I pay enormous tribute to the campaign led by Connor's mother. Uh, I know what an impact that has had on the wider uh, family on, and on her own uh, future. Uh, I know that because she met twice with my predecessor uh, as First Minister uh, to present directly to him her and her family's experience and to ask for our help in putting pressure into the UK government to right the wrongs that had been done, which was assiduously followed uh, by my predecessor. Uh, the real uh, the member asked what could we do uh, to mark our difference here in Wales. Well, I have long argued that the probation service ought to be devolved here in Wales. I first give evidence in 1995 on behalf of the National Association of Probation Officers to a commission that was preparing legislation for devolution uh, and argued there that the probation service and youth justice ought to have been on the early list of services to be devolved because the thing that a probation officer relies on to discharge their responsibilities effectively are all devolved already. Uh, if you're looking for a mental health uh, service, it's controlled in Wales. If you're looking for a course for somebody to go on to improve their prospects of employment, it's devolved to Wales. If you're looking for somewhere for somebody to live, housing services are devolved uh, to Wales. The alignment between the probation service and the services that are already devolved is so strong that probation ought to be devolved so that the dedicated staff who still work in the probation service under often uh, impossibly difficult conditions would be better placed to do the job that they want to do and we could have a probation service of the sort that we would want to see here in Wales. Um, thank you, First Minister. When, when the system w was privatised, um, as we know, eight, eight organisations were awarded uh, the contracts worth um, just under four billion. Working Links was the company uh, supervising David Brandon. Uh, in 2015, the year of the murder, the, the Financial Times reported that staff were writing to the, uh, to the company complaining of excessive workloads. Uh, last week, the coroner concluded that the management and supervision of the newly appointed probation worker responsible for David Braddon was woefully inadequate. Uh, it's not clear that much changed in the intervening uh, period. The Inspectorate of Probation report in July last year reported that 60% of reporting officers thought their workload uh, was unmanageable. Uh, were the, the concerns uh, raised by uh, probation workers uh, brought to the attention of the Integrated Offender Management Cymru Board or the All Wales Criminal Justice Board on which uh, the Welsh Government is represented for the reasons that uh, the, the First Minister has just outlined? And, and specifically, were the boards aware of any increased ri risk potentially to the public in South Wales at the time of Conor Marshall's murder as a result of the shortcomings identified? Uh, so what I can say in general is, is that our concerns about the fate of the probation service, about its privatisation, about its breakup into component parts have very regularly been raised through the machinery that we have here in Wales and in our contact with the UK government. Uh, indeed, I very well remember myself, uh, the strenuous efforts that we made while Chris Grayling was embarking upon this wholly misguided uh, reform, uh, where we argued that Wales should be excluded from it, because if there was a market uh, anywhere, and I would have doubted that very much, if there was a market that could be used to provide services, there was no market in Wales. Uh, there simply weren't providers out there waiting to take on this uh, work. So we argued strenuously at the time uh, that we should be excluded from these uh, reforms because they simply were never going to work on the ground uh, here and we conveyed that through all the different mechanisms uh, that we had. Uh, so with, uh, Adam Price asked me a uh, very specific question uh, at the end as to uh, the board's discussions of a particular item. I, I don't have that information uh, of course, immediately to hand, but I'm very happy that we will find it and let him know the outcome. First Minister, you make the case very eloquently that, uh, that um, certainly probation should have been devolved long uh, ago, and uh, um, it's certainly the case that I think had the justice system been devolved, 
um, then we wouldn't have followed uh, the disastrous changes which the UK government implemented. And I, and I think you, you have to ask, you know, um, could it be that an innocent life would, would not have been lost? Um, obviously, the Thomas Commission has uh, issued his, its report um, making the case broadly for the devolution of justice and, and, and policing. It, it should be noted in this context, the, the actual name of the new community rehabilitation company that took over from Working Links is actually, an, almost inexplicably, the Wales Division um, of Kent, Surrey and Sussex, which in some ways says it all, doesn't it, uh, of the predicament that we're in. Um, is the First Minister able to tell us when the Welsh Government will formally respond uh, to uh, the Thomas Commission recommendations, and, and will that response be a positive one in terms of its core proposal, which is the devolution of, of justice and policing uh, and probation? And wouldn't that be the best way of honouring Connor's memory? Uh, so we will certainly be making a positive response to the Thomas uh, Commission. Uh, one of the recommendations was greater coordination of the work that turns out to be going on right across the Welsh Government in this non-devolved area already. One of the striking things that Lord Thomas said he found that he hadn't necessarily uh, anticipated. Uh, yesterday we had the first meeting of the Cabinet Subcommittee that I will chair uh, to oversee the implementation of the Thomas Commission's recommendations and the wider work of the Welsh Government in the justice uh, field. There will be a debate on the floor of the Assembly uh, here in Government uh, time very shortly in which we will report on the steps we have taken immediately after the publication uh, of the report. Uh, I understand that there is a conference planned for April of this uh, year, uh, led by Swansea University, which will be a further opportunity to bring those interests together. Because, so let's not forget, lots of the recommendations in the Thomas Commission uh, are aimed at the profession here uh, in Wales things that the profession itself needs to do to strengthen uh, its ability to provide the service of the sort that the Thomas Commission uh, envisages. And that April uh, conference will be an early opportunity for us to report on progress and to do it with those other interests that are necessary if we're to make a success of the recommendations in Wales. But when did play Brexit? Leader of the Brexit Party, Mark Reckless. Uh, First Minister, a key element of city deals, uh, at least as the UK government has promoted them over the past eight years, is to integrate transport on a regional basis. Um, does Cardiff Council's announcement last week mean that a different approach is being taken in Wales? Not only does one council area, Cardiff, appear to get a disproportionate share of public transport investment for the Cardiff city region, we're now told that Cardiff Council wants to make others pay for it by charging non-Cardiff residents £2 a time to bring their cars into Cardiff city centre while exempting all Cardiff's own residents. First Minister, do you support taxing Newport, Bridgend and the Valleys to pay for Cardiff? Uh, well, I think the member confuses a number of different strands in trying to tie uh, the city deal and its mechanisms and its funding with the uh, proposals for consultation that Cardiff Council uh, have produced. I'll just draw the member's attention, in case he's not had an opportunity to see it yet, to a letter issued by my colleague Ken Skates on behalf of the Welsh Government to the leader uh, of Cardiff uh, Council. The letter is in the public uh, domain, and I'll just quote from the relevant paragraph. Uh, the Welsh Government uh, needs to consider in detail the proposed introduction of any new demand management mechanism by the Council and its impact on the wider region around Cardiff, which includes some of the most deprived communities in Wales. To this end, I can confirm that the Welsh Government is now commissioning a detailed study into demand management approaches, their benefits and challenges, to inform a national position on this issue and which can help contribute to regional positions in <coughs> relation to it. Glad to hear the government will be looking at this in, in, in detail and responding to the uh, consultation. However, doesn't this go to values? Average pay in Cardiff is £583 per week. 
In Blino Gwent, it is £458 per week. Why should people who earn £125 less per week pay a new tax, while people who earn £125 more a week are exempted? What does that say about the values of the First Minister, his party and his government? And while he may respond in general in due course, why can't he say now that it is wrong for Cardiff Council to seek to make everyone else pay a congestion charge while exempting its own residents? We learn in the draft budget that there are to be swanky new electric buses at twice the normal price for Cardiff. Yet bus services in Evervale have been halved in frequency as Welsh Government makes real terms cuts to bus subsidies. And the junior minister heckles his budget, real terms cuts to bus subsidies. Those are the values of this Welsh Government. The head of Welsh Treasury told Finance Committee last week that this was because Welsh Government could give capital support but not more revenue. First Minister, isn't, is this really true? Wouldn't new buses reduce operating costs and attract more passengers, therefore reducing the need for revenue subsidy? And if UK government can rip up Treasury rules in order to get investment out of London and to the north of England, why is it that Welsh Treasury is insisting on an approach that denies investment to the valleys in order to concentrate it in Cardiff? Well, uh, it is the normal farrago uh, of, uh, of ideas that we're offered by uh, the member. Uh, swanky new electric buses uh, are being provided in Newport and Caerphilly uh, as well. Uh, does he not want to see them there either? Does he not want to see the £29 million that we have put in our draft budget for next year to support electric vehicles here uh, in Wales? Of course we need to see new forms of public transport because we have to persuade people to come away from the car and to use different forms uh, of uh, transport. Cardiff is the most commuted city in the whole of the United Kingdom. 70,000 vehicles travel into Cardiff every day. If we are serious about air quality, if we are serious about the climate emergency, then we can't just look the other way and saying, never mind, just let it carry on. Now, fairness is at the heart of how that problem must be solved, and that is absolutely in the heart of the letter that Ken Skates has provided to the leader uh, of Cardiff uh, Council. But dismissing all the ways in which we can make a difference uh, in the future, uh, as though they were of no relevance to people who live either in the capital city or in the areas that uh, surround it, is no way at all to approach what is a fundamentally serious pu public policy challenge uh, here uh, in Wales, in our capital city and far beyond. Question three, Janet, Question three, Janet Finn Saunders. Statement on improving ambulance transfers in Wales. I thank the member. The Health Minister published a written statement on the 15th of January setting out steps further to improve ambulance services in Wales, including transfers between ambulances and receiving hospital departments. Thank you, Minister. The Wales Air Ambulance Charity had its busiest year in 2019. Its hard-working team responding to 3,627 <coughs> emergency calls, up 1,200 from 2018. The aircraft can travel over two miles per minute and reach anywhere in Wales within 20 minutes. Now, the effectiveness of reaching, treating and transporting patients is clear, so I now support the Air Ambulance's aim for it to become a 24-hour service. David Gilbert, OBE, Chairman of the Trust, has said, with the help of the Welsh public, we want to make our vision of providing a 24-hour service a reality. An extra £1.5 million is required for this. What steps could you, as a Welsh Government, take to help make a 24-hour ambulance service a reality? Uh, well, thank the member for that, and uh, just want to say how much uh, I share uh, the positive uh, view that she has expressed of the Wales uh, Air Ambulance, uh, the fantastic work uh, that it does. The Air Ambulance has always been very clear with us as a government that it doesn't want public money directly paid uh, to it. 
because it thinks it would compromise its ability to raise money from the public, which it does year in and year out in such uh, a fantastic uh, way with so many committed uh, volunteers. We support uh, the charity in other ways. We do support it by training, particularly the paramedics that, uh, that it employs. Uh, we support it through the EMERTS uh, service, the Emergency Medical Retrieval Services that work closely uh, with it. And we certainly uh, support the work of the Wales Air Ambulance by explaining to people the fantastic work that it does, how making it a 24-hour service will allow it to do even more uh, in future, supporting it in the different places in Wales from where uh, it operates and making it clear to people uh, in Wales that it has the full support of the Welsh Government in its work and in its ambition. Question, Pedwar, Question for Jane Bryan. Will the First Minister outline how the Welsh Government is promoting Newport's heritage and culture? Uh, the Welsh Government invests directly in key elements of the rich heritage and culture of Newport. At the same time, we act with others, the local authority, private businesses, the National Lottery Heritage Fund and CADU, for example, to promote the city's many attractions, both at home and abroad. Thank you, First Minister. And as you said, uh, we have a very rich and diverse history in Newport that we're very proud of. From our Chartist heritage to our majestic transporter bridge and maritime history, the splendid Tredegar House and our Roman fortress at Killian. Last week, it was a pleasure to welcome the Deputy Minister to Killian for the reopening of the National Roman Legionary Museum. While the museum has been closed for the public for renovation, the educational visits continued with over 20,000 visitors last year. In Killian, we have a Roman legacy with its amphitheatre, baths and barracks that rival anywhere in the UK. However, to make the most of this wonderful site, National Museums Wales, CADU and Newport City Council, along with Welsh Government, must all work together to promote Killian as a popular tourist destination, not just within Newport, but with the rest of Wales, and a tool to attract visitors from further afield. Firstly, will the First Minister join me in recognising the important educational work of National Museums Wales offered to school and our young people in Killian, and also look at practical ways that the Welsh Government can redouble <coughs> its efforts to support Newport Council, National Museums Wales and CADU to come together to ensure that what we have to offer in Killian is maximised and utilised fully. Uh, can I thank Jane Bryant uh, for that. I see that the uh, Deputy Minister is a regular visitor uh, to Newport, having been to the Transporter Bridge recently uh, as well, and look forward to the developing possibilities for making more of that attraction to Newport uh, in the future. Of course, Jane Bryant is right in what she says about the importance of the ancient Roman town of uh, Caer Leon, the most complete Roman amphitheatre in Britain, the only Roman legionary barracks on view anywhere in Europe. And it's great to see that the work that has been done to repair some of the essential work to the roof of the museum uh, has now been completed and that it's open fully uh, to uh, the public. And I want to just pay tribute to the people who work at the museum for the way in which they kept those educational services going, even when the museum itself wasn't uh, open to the public in the way that it had been uh, previously. And it's a really important part of what it does to make sure that those live experiences uh, that it offers to young people that bring the history uh, of Caroleon and of Wales's history uh, alive for them now continues and develops. And of course the Welsh Government uh, will work, as I said in my original answer, in partnership with the local authority, with CADU and others, to make the very most of that uh, really important site. Question, Question 5, McAnton. Minister, make a statement on what action the Welsh Government is taking in South Wales to tackle climate change. Uh, so we're tackling climate change by reducing emissions and building resilience. In South Wales, we are investing in public transport, low-carbon buildings, decarbonising our energy system, improving biodiversity and building resilience to the impacts of climate change in areas such as flood prevention and natural resource management. Well, thank you for that answer, uh, First Minister. I'd like to return you briefly to the issue of road congestion and the impact on climate change because 
I very much welcome the uh, consideration that's now being given to the issue of congestion and pollution on traffic into Cardiff. Of course, that traffic doesn't miraculously uh, appear in Cardiff. It goes through constituencies such as mine uh, into Cardiff, and that congestion and pollution is felt all through uh, quite a large number of our constituencies. Uh, but, but, in, but in particular, the solution to uh, congestion uh, and pollution is not just in Cardiff, it lies uh, much further through. Now, in order to win the support, I think, of the many people in the Pontypridd constituency and further afield, it seems to me that consideration of the whole issue of congestion charging uh, is dependent on uh, a number of principled assurances I think people want. The first one is that the costs do not disproportionately fall on the poorest communities. The second one is that a proportion of the proceeds are redistributed and invested within our broader transport system. And that thirdly, there is an affordable public transport alternative available, First Minister. Uh, well, thank you, uh, McEntee, for uh, those uh, additional points on this matter. Of course, he is right that traffic that flows uh, through his constituency and very often from his constituency into mine and then onwards uh, into uh, Cardiff uh, generate, is generated elsewhere. And the, uh, I just want to recognise what McEntin, you said uh, about the need for this to be tackled uh, and the idea that you can simply ignore it and look the other way is simply not an answer to what we face. Uh, but the answer that we design has to have uh, the sorts of characteristics that he uh, mentioned. I said in the answer to my previous question, for those who were here to hear it, uh, that the Minister's uh, letter uh, puts, fairness, yeah, puts fairness at the heart of the Welsh Government's response uh, to it, uh, and that uh, redistribution of any sums uh, raised so that they benefit areas outside Cardiff is <coughs> integral to any plan uh, as well and, of course, affordable public uh, transport of the sort that I know the member has particularly campaigned for, for the reopening of former railway lines that would serve his uh, constituency and provide that sort of affordable public transport. That has to be integral to the plan as well. And it is why, uh, in the answer that I provided uh, to Mark uh, Reckless, I read that part of the Minister's letter to Cardiff Council that places all of those things in that wider context. Question six, Michelle Brown. What is the Welsh Government doing to help victims of crime in Wales? Uh, we work closely with the four police forces and our police and crime commissioners in Wales and other partners, including the Welsh Local Government Association and Public Health Wales, to support victims of crime and to reduce the risk of people becoming victims of crime. Thank you for that answer, First Minister. A number of months ago, I asked you if you would support my call for the fathers of children conceived by an act of rape being barred from gaining rights to see those children. At the time, you refused to give me a straight answer, saying that it was a devolved matter, despite the fact that you and this place often call on Westminster Government to act on matters that are not devolved to this place. Cavcas Cymru is, Cymru, sorry, is, is devolved, though, and can make recommendations to the family courts in Wales that a family court in England or elsewhere in the UK might not, um, and so are social services devolved. Uh, how can a victim of rape ever find anything near closure if she has to worry that one day her attacker may come back and be a part of the child's life, and that a child may be forced to have contact with the person who raped their own mother? So I'm asking you for a second time. Do you agree with me, and you do have some of the levers necessary to be able to do this, uh, do you agree with me that the Family Court shouldn't grant the fathers of children born from rape any access rights to see those children? And will you make an effort to bring about such a ban in Wales? If not, why? Well, shall we, I, I probably can't go further than I did in my last answer to the member. I, I want to uh, recognise the importance of the points uh, that she makes <coughs> and the debate that she has uh, engendered around uh, this issue. The reason why I can't offer her the guarantees that she looks to me to provide is that the powers to do so do not lie in this assembly. And that was true the last time she asked me the question, and it's true again today. A change in the law of the sort that she has asked me about cannot be brought about here, no matter how many times she asks uh, for that to happen. So I can't provide her with a guarantee because it wouldn't be honest to do that. 
Uh, the decisions that are made in the family court cannot be made by politicians. Uh, they are made in the family court with the advice of the professional workers who report on individual cases. Of course, they should take very seriously the points that the member uh, has made. I agree entirely uh, with uh, that. But it's for... The, the member is uh, trying to intervene, Llywydd, from where she is sitting, but the point she makes is no better for repeating it than it was the first time she made it. She asks me to guarantee something that is not in my power to guarantee. I won't do that because that would be to offer a false assurance to people who quite rightly are concerned about the points the member has raised and, I repeat, deserve to be taken seriously. Question 7, Vicky Howell. Will the First Minister provide an update on the projected timetable for the dual lane of sections 5 and 6 of the A465 Heads of the Valleys Road? Uh, thank the Member for that. It's expected that tenders for the dueling of sections 5 and 6 of the A465 will be received next month. Ministers will then consider the project's full business case. Provided that remains satisfactory, we expect a contract to be let in the summer of 2020, with construction due to start by the end of the year. Thank you, First Minister. I know you've been a so strong supporter of this project, which has been so important to my constituency, not least in your former role as Finance Minister, when you put forward the mutual investment model, which will ensure that this project is delivered. I know there have been some concerns about the impact of delays and increased costs in dueling earlier sections of the road, and this can be set against recent reports that geological survey work on the Hirwain to Daulai section wasn't carried out until more than a year after procurement of contracts began, and uh, in at least one case, exploratory drilling has been postponed until construction is underway. This surely must raise some concerns about how both costs and engineering techniques have been drawn up uh, for uh, this, uh, this section thus far. And with that in mind, what lessons has Welsh Government learned uh, from the dueling of the A465 Section 2, and how will they be applied to the dueling of Sections 5 and 6? Oh, well, thank the Member for that uh, important question. She is absolutely right to say that there are lessons to be learnt from the way in which the dueling of Section 2 of the A465 uh, has been carried out, both in the way in which contracts uh, are drawn up, in the way in which risks between the Welsh Government and the contractor uh, are spread, and indeed, to turn to the specific point that Vicky Howells uh, made in that contract, then uh, the collection of data, for example, through ground condition uh, surveys, was the responsibility of the contractor. Uh, and I think one of the things we will have learned from that is that in future it would be better if the Welsh Government took responsibility uh, for that, given uh, some of the things that have transpired since. But I'm very grateful to Vicky Howells for the opportunity, just to be clear, because I think there may have been some confusion uh, about this, that the Section 2 of the A465 was not a mutual investment uh, model programme, uh, whereas the contract to be used for sections five and six is to be discharged through the MIM uh, arrangements. And it's a fundamentally different uh, approach. It's a fixed price, lump sum uh, contract in which the Welsh Government will not pay for the service until it is operational. And that will incentivise the contractors to deliver the programme uh, on time. The, cost, the risk of cost increase and programme delays sits entirely with the appointed service provider uh, in the mutual investment uh, model. We will learn the lessons from earlier uh, sections, but the model we will use for sections five uh, and six will have all those additional benefits that we think, in this instance, using that form of contract will bring. I can all our question. Finally, question eight, Leanne Wood. First Minister, make a statement on the future of accident and emergency services at the Royal Glamorgan Hospital. Uh, with, I understand that the local health board will discuss this matter at its next public board meeting on the 30th of January. First Minister, I have a report looking at how communities served by the Royal Glamorgan Hospital will be affected if consultant-led accident and emergency services are removed from there. 
The worst affected communities are to be found in mid-Rhondda. The towns and villages at the top of the Rhondda and Vaur can access Prince Charles Hospital relatively quickly via the Mardi and Rigos mountain roads. However, Rhondda residents who usually regularly use that route know that that's a dangerous assumption to make uh, because uh, in the winter those roads are often closed. Do you support the retention of consultant-led services at the Royal Glamorgan Accident and Emergency Department and its ability to deal with trauma admissions? And will you be prepared to listen to the views of both patients and staff, especially uh, those concerns around travel times, before any final decision on the future of consultant-led A&E in that hospital is made? Uh, well, shall I thank the member for those uh, points? I haven't seen the report uh, to which uh, she referred, and I haven't seen the paper that the board will take at its uh, public meeting on the 30th of January. However, I do understand uh, that the board is to offer local assembly members uh, an opportunity of a briefing on Friday of this week in order to understand what the, they are to report uh, to that board. Uh, I certainly expect that the board would operate in the way that Leanne Wood has suggested, listening to the views of patients, uh, of staff and of elected representatives. And I hope that Friday's meeting will be a helpful start to that process. Thank you.